Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. Welcome to head cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest. We were just catching up uh, for the last 10 minutes or so. Brent just jumped on. We haven't talked to this guy in what? We were talking probably 10 years or so. A good friend of ours from high school. We did all kinds of theater. And uh, Brent and I actually kind of get got involved with improvisational comedy kind because of you uh for yeah for, for to some degree so mr charles pierce how are you doing this evening i'm doing great thanks for having me on guys it's been really cool to like catch up and talk with you guys again um we did crazy shit in high school that yes. was that was like a different <laughs> lifetime ago but I, I i remember those years fondly yeah no for sure and there's yeah man like uh do we like I said, we all did theater together, and we were like all those shows were were wild and the after parties and but man, there are certain certain things I remember a couple stories where it's just like man, that is like Charles Pierce and no one else, you know. Like for instance, yeah. uh, I think we might have even mentioned it on the show before. We're we like, did. We we're like, about you. we're oh, like, snap. Okay. Was <laughs> well, it with Nicole Bruce or was it? It might have been Nicole Bruce. Maybe. Yeah, but I remember, I just remember, and I've told this story a couple times, like, yeah, we had a friend in high school who, I don't even remember exactly what happened, but you ended up, maybe you damaged Miss Rodemaker's house or something, <laughs> but then but then you yeah. paid, you paid for the damage with the wheelbarrow of pennies, uh, which is one of the funniest things I ever remember happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I we have to be careful, you know, because like sensibilities have evolved so much in you know twenty years well, or something. And there is but, a statute of limitations, I'm sure. Oh, I, I, uh, I hope so. Right. But I mean, it was it was we were toilet papering her house and it was a prank gone wrong, and and so like a oh. smoke bomb goes off way too close to the vinyl siding, and oh. the vinyl siding catches on fire. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, because we're we're young enlightened teenagers, we think the best thing to do is to double down on our on on our disaster. So we we thought it'd be funny to like pay for you know the insurance deductible uh with pennies and it, it wasn't just like a wheelbarrow it was like ryan had to borrow a truck because pennies are we we had no idea how heavy it would be and it was just boxes of pennies and 
you know, we're so. Where, you just get them at the bank. You just like buy multiple banks. All your pennies. Multiple banks. <laughs> yeah, we were so committed to the bit that we went to um, the local credit union and we we took all the pennies they were willing to give us. And then we had to go to another branch and took all the pennies that they were willing to give us. And then to a couple more banks until we figured it all out. And the weight load in the back of the truck was, you know, it's like bags of concrete or something or, or cinder blocks of concrete. It was so heavy on, on, on the truck. And then, yeah, it was, then we drove to her to the bank so she could cash it in. But yeah, we paid in pennies because we're cool guys. <laughs> That's pretty. And if you, if you don't want that to appear in the episode, I can cut all that out. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. The, thing, the, the, the big thing about like, telling the stories in more muted tones over the years is now my kids are old enough that right. they're like learning lessons from these antics. So I've always got to have like the parental overtone of like, well, that was then this is now, you know, <laughs> right. yeah, we don't, we don't do these things because they're 11 and nine and it's still, you know, we, we, we haven't quite gelled with our, you know, are we, chaotic good are we lawful good like our alignments haven't completely locked in yet so we got to be careful but they're they're aware that i had um that i was up to shenanigans and antics <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway, i think like good-hearted shenanigans nothing you know you aren't yeah it's just you know it's like the the 90s didn't have you know cameras in everybody's pocket or on the side of buildings so no. you, you felt really emboldened to do stuff and there wasn't a huge amount of things to do in your home. There was there was a GameCube or was it an N sixty four back then. Back then, so yeah. like all those all those entertainments I remember would just they would work for a while and then you'd need to go out and do something, but the town would be shut down. So you'd be like, Well what dumbass thing can I do? <laughs> and then you come away the next day going, Oh my God, this amazing, hilarious, insane thing that happened. I got into a drag race uh, like a drag race down the street with the, like a minivan covered in Christmas tree lights. What the fuck happened? You know, those would be like the outcomes of it. And then 20 years later, you're like, I was going 55 in a, in a 30. What was wrong with me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it forces you to tell a better story. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, cause nowadays I'm sure if you don't do some dumb shit and you film it, you'll be like, wait, I don't need to tell you. Let me just show you. Right. You, like show them the film. But like, to hear a good story is like, I don't know, it's so much more thrilling to me. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and that's definitely where I become an old fart too, is like, I, I enjoy like a lot of the video that happens on social media, but I'm, I'm with you. Like, there's something about the pacing of a well-read story versus somebody's kind of like, sort of okay camera work it's sort of okay editing and then there's like really shitty music blaring over it it's like i get it like i'm fine with it but no it's not it's not the same as a good fishing tail yeah, yeah. i guess maybe yeah you're right you're right it, 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 it's when it comes like organically in a conversation when like you can be like oh yeah something similar happened to me check this out and it's like a story you've been telling for like a decade or two you know Right. polished yeah. and ready to rock and roll like it's, <laughs> i love it when i hear people's good stories yeah and i think what happened with me is i realized i was like getting old when i tried telling one of these stories and they, it didn't come across as funny it just came across as like what kind of a monster were you and it just like landed completely flat with people I'm like oh geez like i'm not i'm not at that age anymore where these these stories sound cute and permissible and funny right now i just sound way off my rocker and like completely missed the point it's like no it was southern indiana in the 90s you kind of got away with stuff like that's just <laughs> yeah. the way it was but you know i'm talking with people that you know have very different upbringings and it's like they 
they didn't have that ability to kind of get into antics at night and it's alien to them. And they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Didn't you get yeah. in trouble with the police? It's like, no, there's like three cops in the entire city and they're just dealing with drunk students. Like yeah. you could get away with anything. You could set buildings on fire uh, quite <laughs> literally. And, and nobody really <laughs> <Yeah>. does anything. <laughs> like I remember my, one of my friends that I met like my first year of college, his name is Pat. He told me a story like, they would like go to someone's house who had like lawn ornaments, statues, and then they would like drag them out into the middle of the street and then pee on them <laughs> and then call the police and call the police to come get them. And, and then they would watch in the woods while the cops like, like there's pee all over this stuff. And they would like, I mean, just like who thinks of this shit? Yeah. Well, you know, my, teenagers, like that's yeah, it. It's more teenagers. Yeah. No well, and even, even before that, like, I remember my mom telling me stories about when she was a kid or a teenager, like this would have been in the seventies, like her and her friends basically remember that scene from the good son where they have like that Mr. Stuffy or whatever, Mr. Highway, and they throw yeah. him like over the overpass down into the cars below. Like she and her friends would do that. They would like make a scarecrow and climb up into a tree and drop it on on cars below and thought it was hilarious. And you know, right. and that's back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like half the people in that story like just disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, yeah. Someone just. Uh, Abducted them and Amber alerted them before that was even a thing. Right. Yeah. The serial killers and the child abductors. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy. <laughs> Didn't even make the news. No. Nope. Just put them on a milk. Put them on a milk carton. You're good to go. Yeah. But uh. That's right. But no, man. I I think growing up in Bloomington spoiled me because like now still to this day I expect shit to be open. Until like three, four, five in the morning. You know what I mean? Like if I want to go get a slice of pizza or if I want to go like do whatever. Uh, but most places aren't open. Like most places, I spent like the, like uh, Charles and I were talking about living in the suburbs earlier. Like, you know, living in like everything around me closes at like nine or ten now. You know, like nothing's open till fucking three in the morning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in like this, this cutesy little subdivision that's really close to um you know over on on the east side like where the mall and the the showplace theater and all of that kind of stuff is mm -hmm. across the way on morris pike there's all these little tiny kind of big house subdivisions and we were able to get a cheap place in a nice neighborhood kind of thing did, did you move away for a while uh yeah i was i I mean, the, the the kind of the roundabout thing is I my wife and I followed work and it was we, we moved to Chicago from 2011 to 2014. And then I got an opportunity down in Austin when we felt like we were just fighting to make ends meet in Chicago. So it was like really easy to make, make that move. And we went to uh, Austin in 2014 and we were there uh, eight years until now when we were like, wow, it's getting really expensive to live here. And you know, we're getting older and our, and our kids are in school and because of COVID and all sorts of other kind of variable things in our lives, we're not going out to the bar scene. We're not, I'm not, I'm not, the art scene that I was connected to felt like it went kind of into hibernation during COVID. So I felt really disconnected from that end of creativity. So when we wanted to buy a house and we were looking at Austin, we immediately felt like we were getting pushed out to the suburbs and the suburbs of Austin um, are not places that my wife and I enjoy. Like, it's, yeah. it, it's like, 
the suburbs are kind of the same anywhere, but then you're like in a place that gets you know, 110 degrees during the summertime. And, you know, you have to drive really far because the highways are gigantic in, in Texas. All of this other kind of like small things. And that's, that's not even getting into, you know, how tense the politics were getting in the suburbs are way more conservative than the cities are. So when we were looking at moving, it was like, okay, we're, going to put a lot of cities on our list for kind of these suburban areas where the kids will be happy and we can work in all of this by the end of the process bloomington was the top of the list um our money went further for a house than anywhere else we're close to family and we're kind of in this national suburb we're only you know 40 minutes from a big airport that's yeah i like your your unfinished basement yeah it's a like a total murder space like i could yeah it looks like there's people down here it looks like there should be like naked Brazilian women like <laughs> cutting up cocaine somewhere. Yeah, I, I need to be like plotting my empire or like finding like the cure to zombies or something down here. It's yeah, crazy. It's cool. It does. It does look like it stretches on forever behind you. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does. It's, it's huge. The perspective is like. Well, and I've got like a freaking Whoa. GoPro here for my camera, so yeah. But it's 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 a really big house. Uh, uh, Whoa, so cool. the entire like basement is gigantic. I've. And over in the far back area, the kids have their own like TV setup and everything, so they can watch the really loud YouTube. Um, yeah. This is kind of my workspace back here, and um, yeah, like when we bought the house, the basement is unfinished, so we've got like the, this insulating wall stuff up here that's all billowy and plastic and intimidating looking. But all we have to do is put drywall up, and then it's a finished yeah. basement. Like it's yep, got yeah. the dry-in systems and everything. Like it's rained countless times. The even the concrete has like been like pseudo polished. So, nice. like a lot of the work's nice. been done. We just kind of have to you know finish it on on our own time. And I think that's next year. Yeah, uh, it'll be easy. yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be what, just what, backbreaking, what, but easy. Yeah. What <laughs> was the Austin scene like when you were? Because I've heard I've heard like so many good things about Austin, and we we even like. It was never like at the near the top of our list, but my wife and I like thought about moving to Austin and, and yeah. talked about it. Um, so, what was it, the scene like there while you were there? I mean, it's it's my favorite city, like hands yeah. down, it's my favorite city out of all the places that I've been to. And and I and I want to be a little bit careful about not being like too judgmental because Austin is one of those places where it's like there's so many different subcultures happening that just because my bubble burst doesn't mean like Austin's over, Austin's right. dead. But like when when the, the real heyday where I was having the most fun was probably about like 2015 to 2019, like right, right before COVID struck. Right. And, um, I was, uh, connected to the Austin motion artist group and some of the other kind of loosely built independent, um, you know, artist coalitions that would pop up because meetup groups and, uh, social scenes around your creative industry were really common. So you'd have a lot of intermingling between people that worked in animation and advertising and marketing and some film work and television work. And it's not LA and California, but it for a long time was this thriving little tiny independent scene. Uh, Richard Linklater has a very strong studio there. Uh, Rooster Teeth that does a lot of animation work that got bought by Warner Brothers and is now part of the big discovery thing. Um, they do things for Adult Swim from time to time. <clears throat> um, there is uh, Powerhouse Animation that did the Castlevania show. Um, I forget uh, the name of the company, but they do Undone on um, on uh, Amazon Plus with 
uh, Bob Odenkirk, the, the the weird rotoscoped animation one about time travel and weird dreams. Oh, nice. uh, so I there's all that. this really cool stuff happening, and there's a lot of really notable advertising agencies there too. And all these people were interacting, and then when COVID hit, it was like everybody just stopped interacting. Like one or two meetup groups tried to do stuff over video chat, and it just it felt weird. It like it didn't quite work because you yeah. know, it, like I always came away from the the, the feeling that like the meetup stuff and that intermingling between creatives of different, you know, and people would find work this way. They would find gigs. They would like little agencies would pop up for like nine, 18 months while people would work together on a big campaign and then kind of fall apart. It was a great scene, but when, but it always felt like there was this icing on the cake when everything else was going really well. And when, when COVID struck and some of the stresses of the industry, plus, you know, Texas politics are just as bad as they seem. Um, you know, all of this stuff got into the mix and people started moving away because the cost of living was starting to spike. We, our rental house, when we moved there in 2017 was 1700 a month and they, and, and they were, when we moved there in 2014 and it felt really expensive in 2014 and by like 2019, it was like, oh, this is almost feeling like a deal. Right. And <laughs> right. midway through COVID because, um, I don't know, property managers be property managers. They came at they came at us and said, We want to raise your rent an extra eight hundred a month. Oh, we're like, Jesus. this is ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? So we negotiated with them a little bit, but that was that was pretty much our last year that we were there to kind of get that down. So it was like all of a sudden it jumped up real big. Yeah. And that's when I looked around and I realized that like a good core of the people that I was interacting with, something like seven to ten people all moved away from Austin. So my part of the scene kind of like broke apart and, and fell apart. And, you know, there's still people that are working and doing stuff, but they just returned to their work and they weren't doing the kind of the hustling and the shaking and the fun stuff. Um, and now tech is really moving into the city and kind of bringing things through and whole other transformation. So who knows what comes next, but I didn't want to be like an old dude sitting in Austin going, man, Austin's over. It changed. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't want to do that. And I felt like I was getting a little too close. Right. But I, I still love it. It's a great city. You should, everybody should visit. The tacos are amazing. The food is incredible. Um, it's yeah. just getting really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, so what do you, what are you up to now? What, what kind of stuff are you, you working on now? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I still have some connections with work in Austin and um, th- this agency that I work for out of New York. So it's a lot of kind of day-to-day design work, you know, and I'll get it like, it's great. It'll come in as like an email request and then I'll just do the work. And then I do some client stuff on the side where it's just me directly working with clients and, and that kind of stuff. I'm more like a creative director kind of managing little marketing campaigns that, you know, come with like a website build and you know, some media production attached to that. Um, those budgets are pretty good. It's just, you know, getting the work done remote is, is a little bit unusual because you have to partner with people in different ways. And I've moved way more towards like motion design and animation for like, you know, it's like you work on somebody who's got a small business and a media campaign with it. If, if it's not easy for them in, in their locality to do um, a piece of media production, cause I don't want to fly anywhere to watch somebody film something. Um, <laughs> You know, we just do it through After Effects and voiceover and some kind of animated piece instead. Um, right. And I've got a couple of people with Austin, in Austin still that I work with for delivering those animation pieces. So creative director, designer, that's a large part of the day-to-day. Nice. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you might you might be interested in uh, an episode we did, or have we done a couple episodes with him, Brent, with Adam Dix? Yeah. Uh, uh, got, yeah, we did. Uh, what was it? Hereditary. Okay. You might know him, Charles. Adam Dix. I don't know. Maybe I. The, the name doesn't ring a bell. Like, went, did he go to South High School? I think he did. He was a little bit younger. Jeez. He was a little bit oh, younger okay. than me. I think Charles, you were a grade or two above me. A, a grade I above me. Graduated maybe. in two thousand. Um, okay. So way back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. that. I thought you were in my grade. But that's right. You were a grade above. You were a grade above me. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and I've been terrible. I've I've forgotten so much from high school. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. Yeah. Oh no. It's it's always so weird when I come across like. Facebook posts about, uh, well, I graduated in '02, so I get yeah, it would have just been my twentieth anniversary reunion or whatever. But I just like I came across a Facebook post of like a bunch of people from high school going to that, and like, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I guess it has been twenty years, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, our twenty was in the middle of. COVID, I think we were we were entertaining whether or not that would make sense to go from Austin to Bloomington around then, but it was like right in the middle of the COVID stuff, and we hadn't gotten our vaccines yet, so, oh yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think only a couple, like only like maybe less than a dozen people attend the anniversary, like the reunions for my class. Oh, really? Like, I, I, I think I'm, I'm Facebook friends with that, with like the class of 20, you know, or 2001, like, you know, whatever. And they show the pictures, and there's just like a few people sitting around, like at a park or something. Yeah, I'm I'm connected to the Facebook group too, but I do like like I barely even look at it. Like I'm I'm terrible. Like I I, I just like I got done with high school, and I was just like, oh okay, chapter closed, move on. Yeah. And and now it's like now that I'm old, I'm like maybe I shouldn't have just been so quick because you know. It, in my neighborhood, there's somebody from South, you know, down the street that, that knew folks. And, and it took me like a while to like pull that part of the memory back up and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's, oh, I'm, I'm back in town. I've got to remember some of these Bloomington things. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's it been a like long time. back in the day, like anytime I would leave the house to go anywhere in Bloomington, when I lived down there, I would run into people that I knew. Like just, it was inevitable. Yeah. Would, but like, and it's been like, maybe 15 years or whatever ago that I made the realization, like, I don't know anyone else. You know, there's no one. I mean, now I know you, Charles, now you're there, but like, you're the only one that I know. I, I really, I mean, I say that I know a guy from South that's down the street from me, but I, I, you know, I, 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 I was terrible. It's like, I don't really remember interactions from the time. It's like, so it's sort of like meeting somebody brand new and I'm, I'm with you. It's surreal having this like young person memory of like every yeah. time you go out, you're going to run into somebody. And now it's just like, it's, it's, it's like I moved to an entirely different city. There's no one that's the same. And yeah. a lot of downtown has kind of grown up differently. So like parts of the city feel like I've never, I mean, I've never been there. It's like entirely new. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's a trip too, because that's something that when we all lived in Bloomington, it was changing so slowly. That was one of the complaints. Yeah. And now, now there's a shit ton of development. I'm just like, oh, this is really, oh, okay. I yeah. haven't been here before. Well, and like, yeah, all the, all, all the roads and highways are different. Like, there's a new hospital. There are, like, new apartments up everywhere. I mean, it really is a different city, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, one um, Troy North, uh, one of the middle schools, got completely renovated and redone. So, like when I drove, I was I was going to show the kids uh, Dyer Hill where we used to sled. Oh. That's such a big hill, and we drove by. It's like, oh yeah, okay, so there's a road there now. Like the, oh. the sledding hill is interrupted. It's you can't do it. There's like Without a bus dying. road. Yeah, there's a bus road up, and the really? and the entire middle school has been redone. I'm like, well, okay, that's that's another thing that. Mark another point for this is not my city. I don't I don't know anything here, <laughs> yeah. which is a fun. I, I mean I'm I'm having fun with it, but it's a weird head game when I'm out driving by myself and I think yeah. I know, but I don't. Well, yeah, and I, I remember like when I was like a little little kid, like hearing older people say like that used to be this or this used to be that, <laughs> and now it's like oh man, like the the world just fucking etch a sketches itself, like erases and like redoes things like right. all the time. <laughs> yeah no that's exactly how my how my mom likes to do directions in bloomington even now and she'll be like oh no it's it's on that corner where it used to be the thing before the thing and, and everybody's sitting around going what are you talking about like but my dad barely has a memory of it i have no idea what she's talking about you know uh my wife sarah got her did her master's work in bloomington but like she doesn't really know the city, so we're we're just staring at her. But she's doing these connections that are just yeah. Three years right. old. Like people calling things like old stuff. Like so, I live in Indianapolis now, and I I'm a teacher, and the al- one of the other algebra teachers um, didn't come to like our end of the year party because because he got drunk and um, <laughs> at a concert, and then like his ride like ghosted him. So like we're the next morning, so the next morning we're at this like nice like brunch place, and he he texts my my boss, uh, the director texted him, and he goes, yeah, like I'm still at Deer Creek, right? Oh, yeah, Deer Creek. You know what I'm saying? Like I uh, knew I knew it was going to be Deer Creek, but I don't even know what it is now. But yeah. It, by the way, if you're listening, um, it, that's a concert venue. Yeah. And this band, and he went and saw the Grateful Dead, a Grateful Dead cover band. And his ride was this like seventy year old hippie who just like walked away. <laughs> it was actually the ghost of Jerry Garcia was his ride. It was, yeah. <laughs> and he just didn't have a ride. Like there was just like no one there to t- so I think he like I think he did get a ride. I think there's like a campground like a mile away and he like knew someone camping there. Okay. Anyway, I don't know why you care about this. This is interesting, but yeah. Right. But you know, no, I, I think swear, that's like a quintessential like Hoosier story, though. It's just like this thing happened. It was supposed to be normal, and then like this one thing in the chain broke, and I had a miserable night for five hours. Right. <laughs> and let me it's tell like, everyone about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> My, my folks have a storage unit in, in Bloomington, and it's not one where there's a security gate. It's just, like, behind a strip mall. And we go to go get some antique out of there that my mom wants, and there's somebody else's lock on the door. And it's not ours. And so this, like, triggered a six-hour, seven-hour interruption, you know, because that's the way this shit happens. And it turned, the, like, to, to kind of truncate the whole thing... Somebody cut the old, my parents lock off of it, opened the door to do like a smash and grab, liked the stuff, stole like a third of what was in the, the storage unit, and then as far as we could tell, put their lock on it to come back. To, 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 to like keep <laughs> other people from stealing your shit? That they, <laughs> that's but hilarious. my parents visit the locker so infrequently, we have no idea if this happened two years ago or Whoa. two weeks ago. No clue. That's wild. Uh, so yeah, we had to like 
deal with the the uh, the company because we wanted to make sure that they didn't you know miss a payment from my parents or something. Right. They lock it. That was right. the first. It was like oh, there's an accident. They just messed up. And they're like, that's not our lock. We'll cut it off for you, but it's not our lock. And then we open and we see all the damage and the theft. And it's like, okay, now we got to do the police and all of this kind of stuff. And even when we're talking with the police and the management, we're like, so their lock's on it. They're going to come back, right? And they're like, yeah, probably. And like that was the end of the story. That's where we are. So and that crime, I, it probably happened like a year, a year prior to you even finding out. Probably. I mean, that's that's really where we kind of settled on this is that this happened a while ago and and everything you know there's no chance of recovery or anything but man it was so weird it it was like the beginning of like some kind of like swedish murder mystery is you go to the storage unit somebody else's lock you open it (laughs) there's a body yeah (laughs) oh man that is yeah that is a good idea (laughs) one time i helped Corey move and he had this storage facility and it was like you know the shape the rectangular prism you know that shape yeah basic that basic oh, yeah. three-dimensional shape. Think of one like vertical, like it was like a closet, but it was like twenty feet tall. <laughs> what? That's ridiculous. Yeah. What a weird shape. <laughs> That's what I, I just remember like it was really Why? small, but it was like straight up and all your shit was just like stacked like gum, gum, gum. I think I think you know yeah, yeah, we had to stack vertical. We had to go vertical. <laughs> like did it have platforms or anything to... i don't think so no <laughs> but it was like enough space so of a normal unit but just like small but like tall how weird <laughs> i'm probably getting it all wrong i'm not being dramatic i think no i'm always i'm all about second ver- see look look at the board games behind me look it's all it's all it's all vertical storage. It just goes yeah. up, <laughs> goes up into the uh, top of the house. Charles, were you were you for some reason? I I feel like I remember you being there when Mister T came to Bloomington and was signing was autographs. There. Were you there? He signed your butt. Your Here's butt the butt ball. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah I, this was the only thing in my car at the time was this this novelty ass crack ball, and <laughs> yeah, like there's. Some old like newspaper like stained on it or it, on it, but yeah, Mister T signed the thing, and I still remember it was like, you know, I handed to him. It's like Ryan Betts had just handed Mister T his yearbook to sign, right? Because we're in this mad scramble. We're just trying to get to the Blockbuster, right? Which is a liquor store now. Right. It's a big red oh. now. Yeah. So yeah, of course it is. <laughs> of right. course. <laughs> but yeah, so Ryan hands him the yearbook to sign, and Mister T's just like strange, but whatever. And then I'm right behind him, and I I hand him because it's the only thing in my car. It was like this dumb window thing, and and, and he just like stares at it for a moment, and then he looks up to up at me and goes, "Son, this is the strangest thing I've ever autographed in my life." And then he <laughs> autographed it and handed it. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I got that on video. I think what? Yeah, <laughs> I have you getting that signed on video. Yeah, I, I, I need the, I need a copy yeah. of this. Is it digital? Okay. <laughs> No, it's no. on a VHS. Holy shit! Yeah, yes, I need to see this. <laughs> well, because because Brent and I didn't want to wait in line. Like we weren't we weren't like we didn't want to go through all that. So we we got as close to him as we could, which was like one shelf over, one aisle over. And Brent was filming while we were just like firing questions at him. And uh, and the dude, he was like a consummate professional. He was like taking pictures, signing shit. And then, like, Brent and I would ask him something, and he would take the time to, like, look over to us and answer our questions <laughs> while he's, like, also doing this other thing. That It was 
He was yeah. so he was so great. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I remembered him just being like really chill for like I, I I don't was it even like a plant signing or was he like renting a video like because I know he's got family in Bloomington. Oh, does oh, I, know I don't know. I assume because well, he had a table set up and shit, so it had okay, to be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I had always heard the story that is, and I don't know if she's still alive, but her his mom lived in Bloomington. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and that he happened to be in the area visiting family, and so he did a pop up or something. Okay. Or was there? We, we pretended. Corey and I pretended to be. We called ourselves the Bloomington South Media Department. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And that's how we got to talk to. Remember, you know, Pam Thrash from like oh, B ninety seven. I fu- I forgot about oh, that. Wow. We, yeah. Because like we asked her a question, and she was like, "I don't want to talk to you guys. Go away." And we we're like, "Oh, but we're Bloomington South Media Department." She was like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" <laughs> and and oh, I remember talking to her, and she was like, "Yeah, Mr. T used to have a roommate, and that roommate owns the Blockbuster Video." <laughs> Okay. Oh wow, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's wild. A trip. Well, there, yeah, there's all kinds of weird shit like that about Bloom, like the fact that the Dalai Lama's brother lived there. Like, yeah, that's just fucking random, you know. And you'd have people uh, like Richard the actor Gere. K. Diggs. What's his that? brother went to IU, and I went to a couple parties with Mike, and he was oh. in and around like a little group of friends that I knew. So he knew the drummer of a band that that you know, lived in a house where, you know, so it's like the six degrees of kind of stuff, but yeah, you know, Mike Diggs was a really cool guy. We drank beer with him more than a few times. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> like, was like right, right before I think his brother had broken out. So he's talking about his brother being in Hollywood, having been in a couple films and we're like, Oh shit. Yeah. We know who Mike Diggs is yeah. or, or we know who Tay Diggs is. Right. And he's like, yeah, it's my brother. And then I think he did a couple more big things and then, you know, retired or faded away or whatever actors do in Hollywood. Oh. Right. No, and yeah. I, like I remember serving uh, John Mellencamp popcorn one time when I worked at the movie theater, and there were other and my my grandpa, my grandfather's been a musician for like, you know, seventy years now, and he like people would play with him, and people like uh, Kenny Arnoff who went on to play with uh, Smashing Pumpkins, and mm-hmm. and you know we went to school with with Nick Arnoff, but um, but yeah, oh, wow. yeah, there's just like people. <laughs> people in that area like going on to do other shit you know yeah and and it wasn't i mean it wasn't every day but it was common enough that you you, you remembered it even like being in austin it's like people would be like oh yeah i know bloomington they'd be like fuck you do yeah and like yeah yeah it's a cool college town and it's like okay like i've only place i've been like i mean you get a little bit from chicago but i've, I've traveled in and around a bunch of areas throughout the southeast and Nobody knows what the fuck is going on in Indiana, like right. other than the Indy 500, you know? Right, So yeah. anytime somebody would be like, oh, yeah, I know Bloomington, like it happened multiple times in Austin. Yeah. It was always <laughs> weird. You might think this is interesting. I think it was back in like 2007, maybe. I, w- I, I was, Kara, de- my wife, was my girlfriend at the time, and she took me to South Carolina, where she had lived for a couple years, and she took me to like a sports bar. And I'm at the sports bar for a while. And then there's this like commotion and there's these people like gathered around this dude. And like, I walked up to see what was going on. And this guy was like, if you tell me what high school you went to, I can tell you your mascot. And yeah. Yeah. And this was in South Carolina at some random bar. I said, I went to Bloomington South high school. And he was like, you, you, you were the Panthers. (laughs) 
What? What? Oh, what a party trick! Whoa, that's insane. I don't waste it on an idiot, like a drunk, stupid idiot. You know, <laughs> that's some Rain Man stuff right there. I know. Wow. It's like he had bro- brotism. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's wild. That's yeah, insane. That's, that's a trip. <laughs> Shit. Well, I, I want to talk about this movie a little bit. Uh, yeah, Charles, let's do it. Charles, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, uh, do you want to introduce the movie you selected for us and kind of why you chose it and what it means to you? Um, yeah. Okay. So I chose the burbs and, and I did it without a strong memory of the film in my mind. Um, I don't, I don't know horror films as well as you guys. So like I was in a bit of a jam because I don't know many and many of the ones that I already knew you guys have covered Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm also trying to like find something that if I'm watching it in and around my 11 year old or my nine year old, it's not going to be like, I I'm, I'm not going to go and, and get like um, house of a thousand corpses or something and watch it on the big screen, you know? So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, in the back of my mind, just play as like, okay, I've got to rewatch this thing. So can it be something a little bit light? And um, it must've also been in connection with moving because I, I came up with the burbs and I was like, oh, oh yeah, there's this old kind of comedy horror thing, Tom Hanks. Let's let's yeah. go with that. And I threw it threw it your way and you guys said yes. And and then I start looking into him and was like, oh shit, this is actually really appropriate because it's about a dude in the suburbs that has like I don't know if it's that he I mean, I, I guess he kind of lands on it right away as he, he understands that his neighbors are up to no good, but it takes all these antics and shenanigans to prove it to the neighborhood. And that's where, <laughs> where the comedy is derived in it. Yeah. And and the neighbors are weird and creepy and kind of that good 80s campy or comedy vibe. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I and then I started digging into like the IMDb and I was quite surprised at just how many little bits of talent showed up in the film and in the uh uh the uh, production team because it's the same director that did gremlins yeah and then right after the burbs he did gremlins too and when i was looking at the production departments some of those other kind of post-production roles many of the people did interspace and gremlins with the same director and then went on to do gremlins 2 and small soldiers and a couple of those other kind of novelty animatronics i'm not sure if they're horror films or comedy kind of <laughs> pg-13 things that were around in the 80s and the 90s so like the burbs is kind of like it seemed like they broke away from doing these puppet things and did a neighborhood thing um but i watched it today and it's i don't know i i was laughing several times even though it's campy and corny (laughs) i loved it yeah i had this movie on vhs oh wow i think it was either it was a double feature on a VHS with like, it was either the movie say anything or it was another Tom Hanks. It was, it might've been the money pit. Oh, that would have been, that would have been a good double feature. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he digging a big hole in both of those movies? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, that's the thing in the birds is he keeps trying to look for these bodies that the neighbors have killed. So there's a lot of digging of pits. Like it, it became kind of this reoccurring, recurring yeah. thing um yeah but but no I, I i thought the cast was great it's got um oh gosh uh i mean, Bruce I mean Dern? The, yes yeah. thank you Dern is in it and and um his wife is the voice of francine from american dad 
That's right. <laughs> Which is crazy. I Oh yeah, Windy Shop or something. Yeah. Yeah, and then um Robert Picardo, who is the doctor, the hologram doctor from in Voyager, Voyager. Has yeah, a in bit Voyager, role as a garbage man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then the... also got a bit role in Gremlins. Oh, did he? I had. <laughs> I think I read that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, he yeah, because yeah, I know he did a lot of stuff with Joe Dante, and then the other garbage man did too, Dick Miller. Um, he's been he's actually been in all of Joe Dante's movies. Um, gotcha. And then I remember him that's from. Uh, the Tales from the Crypt movie, Demon Knight, where yeah. he's like the older guy. And then like the one that sticks most in my memory is the fr- from the first Terminator movie where he's the he runs the gun shop and the Terminator like Schwarzenegger goes in and he's like, I'll take that weapon. I'll take that weapon. And he's like, I'll also take a blah, 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 plasma rifle. It, like obviously something from the future. And the gun shop salesman is like. Look, buddy, just whatever you see in the store here, right? And then, like, Schwarzenegger starts, he, like, starts putting, like, shells in a shotgun. And he's like, hey, you can't do that in here. And he's like, yes, I can. <laughs> like, shoot, like So he's the gun. He's, like, the gun shop owner in the Terminator. Oh, that's great. Does he blow him away? Oh, yeah, Does totally he... blows him away, yeah. <laughs> Splatters him all over the gun shop. <laughs> It has been so long since I've seen it. And, like, it'd be funny if, like, he was, like, kind of, like, had his fingers on, like, a plasma rifle (laughs) underneath the counter. He's just about to pull it out. Right. (laughs) So, like, to defend himself. Yeah, there's a whole secret back room of, like, future sci-fi weapons that, no, it's just the freaky-dink 20th century stuff here for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I had no idea. The guy who plays, um... Oh, what's the guy's name? When like one of the, the three guys who live in the house, there's the doc. There, what's that? Oh, never mind. The three guys who live in the yeah. The, there's the, the, the doc. Ruben, Ruben, Ruben is the guy's name. Um, but he uh, apparently he's played by this guy named who's best known as Brother Theodore, and he's known for his stream of consciousness monologues, which he calls instead of stand up comedy, he calls stand up tragedy. And, oh, and and this he's been described i don't know what critic di- said this but he's been described as boris karloff salvador dali nijinsky who apparently is a, a world-renowned russian ballet dancer which i i wasn't aware of okay. uh and red skelton simultaneously that's oh, that's <laughs> funny yeah and then the boy uh hans like the weird yeah. the weird like red-headed guy Apparently he was uh, Malachi in the Children of the Corn. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I, I skimmed that in the um, in the IMDb search too. Was that he was like, oh yeah, he's been a creepy guy in creepy movies. Neat. Yeah, <laughs> he's got this certain look. Yeah, and and I like guys. Yeah. The doctor was the um, the head Nazi from Blues Brothers. That's yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought that was pretty fun too. But like, <laughs> I just I I. I while watching it this morning, I was like, oh, there's so many. Oh, I remember Carrie Fisher's in it. Um, yeah. You know, it, and like everybody else that we're kind of going through, it was just like it was such a delight to see these performers now, you know, being in 2022, knowing that they had these illustrious careers. And back then, it was just, you know, another movie that, that kind of paid the bills. Um, <laughs> the thing that really, I, I don't know, the, the, there was... The movie was a set piece. It was like it, it, it locks in on this one like area in the suburban neighborhood. Yeah. You never leave it. It was it, it felt 
like going back in time to how movies, because we just did a Marvel run with the kids and the camera is in 3D space. It's all CGI. So the camera is really unbound. And in this movie, it's like it's handheld. They've got a crane like it's. I mean, the cinematographer that did this movie was the same guy that went on to do, like, dude, where's my car? And it's, like, it's well shot and everything. It makes sense for a comedy, but it's not adventurous camera work. And you can feel that, like, the scenes are staged. You're seeing two people talking at the same time. It's not this fast camera thing back and forth. And it really reminded me of, like, you know, from, like, old theatrical setups, like, like 1950s films, where it's like, we're going to build a back lot, and everything's going to happen on the corner of this back lot. You know, yeah. instead of like in a green screen studio or a bunch of like on site locations or or something yeah. like that. And I, I thought it was so fun how they would like bring the camera up and you'd run across the neighborhood and all this kind of stuff. The pacing's terrible compared to what we're used to. But it was so <laughs> neat to see these big set pieces used yeah. so differently from how movies are done now. That, yeah. I don't know that I just nerded on that watching. It's like, oh, we make movies so different now. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and I definitely was thinking of like my neighborhood and like all the all the personality all the personalities I have around me, you know. And there's like kind of catty corner across the street. There's like an old guy who he's not quite the Bruce Dern character, but like uh, he's a very he's an older gentleman, and he has a flagpole right in the middle of his yard and there are three spotlights at the like below the flagpole that are always shining up at the American flag and uh I don't I don't know it's it's a yeah an interesting uh meditation on suburban life you know yeah yeah I mean that was one of the things that really caught me too is that it's like it's such an 80s movie yeah. because it's just like three three husbands or three dudes in the neighborhood <laughs> that have like completely taken the law into their own hands are making wild assumptions about everyone and they're fucking breaking into houses judging people horrifically yeah. it's like this like most quintessential like suburban kind of stereotype fear and it's like whoa this is a trip to go back to the 80s and see this and it's just like ah oh, shucks these are just the normal neighbors and today i'd be like yo like I, I would have nothing like like if the Corey Feldman character is across the street just watching it all go down. It'd be like be calling the police. They're breaking and entering repeatedly on the neighborhood. They're dumping trash in the middle of the place. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the, no, yeah, it's definitely problematic behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so great because the movie like holds the reveal. I mean, it's like the last three seconds of the film. Um, there's like Tom Hanks's character even does a whole speech where it's like at the very end, it's like, he gets it. He gets it. We were the assholes. It's not the neighbors. We were the assholes. And then he gets into the ambulance to go to the hospital and the doctor's like, surprise motherfucker. We were the assholes, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) and I, I almost wonder if that wasn't like a production note or because for, for me, like personally, I think the superior ending to this movie would be. Like, I like that message that he's like, we thought they were the assholes this whole time because they were kind of weird and different. But really, it was us. We're the assholes for, like, being weird and, like, snooping and, like, prying into their business. I love that message. And then, like you said, the very ending of it, like, kind of undoes all of that. And it's like, oh, no, we are actually murderers. Like, you should be you should be suspicious of people who are weird and different. And I was like. I was like, no, I, I would rather have the ending 
where where they're just like regular people, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think if you were to remake it today, it would be like Corey Feldman's character that's watching the whole thing would be the actual murderer. Right. It's like the the guy that you're treating as a good friend but harmless that's just like in on the, the yeah. shenanigans. Nope, that's the fucker that's actually killing people in the neighborhood. The weirdos are just weirdos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either that or even like if you do want to go with the uh with the, you know, the weirdos or whatever revealing themselves. I thought for a moment I thought Tom Hanks was going to die in the ambulance. I was like, "Oh shit, this guy's going to kill him." And I even that, I would have preferred the darker ending to yeah. to the ending we got where he like reveals everything and they find the skulls in the trunk you know i was like uh right. even even that would have been more of a an interesting ending where where tom hanks is just like pumped with poison and they just drive off you know <laughs> yeah and it just like dreamily fades to black as he passes out dead in the back yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> you know and, and i mean i think you you'd have to do something else is like you know carrie fisher felt like completely wasted in that film she just like show up and go yeah. i don't know tom hanks i think you're off the rocker it's like drive a real wedge in their relationship that he's going all rear window on this stuff and yeah. she's like no it's normal <clears throat> and you know so it's like he's in that he's in the, the ambulance dying and his wife is on the brink of divorce because he blew up the fucking neighbor's house like yeah they we know really she's could like, have broken yeah. that relationship yeah she's with him 100 percent. she's just like oh, oh you you're having a nervous breakdown and like she's shutting the ambulance door yeah no i'm yeah. I'm, like I'm in with him yeah i'm i'm with you 100 percent. that carrie fisher was wasted in that movie for sure yeah well and everything that we've learned about her career since about how she was like a script doctor and everything and never got credited i wouldn't be surprised if she fixed problems with the birds because <laughs> it's not it's not an incredible story like I, I mean, there's one point where, uh, was it Tom Hanks is arguing with his neighbor in the backyard and the dog comes up with a bone and they do a sight gag where it's a leg bone and the neighbor throws it and the dog comes back and he picks it up and throws it and then comes back and he holds it up and they're like, it's a leg bone. And they start screaming and the camera does the wacky zoom in and out yes, on their faces. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. they... So it's like you can well, and also when art when art falls off of a ladder or so, into like the shed, it's the sound of bowling pins. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's it is like my fingernails are black, my my fillings are hot. It's, it's like, like no, dude, you're dead. You're yeah, dead. you did. Yeah, you'd be dead. Well, and there's even like a cutout later. There's a shot from above the shed, and you see like the cutout of a human being from where art <laughs> fell in the shed. It's like a you know, a chalk, chalk outline of a human being. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the fun things with, with the whole big set piece thing is because they, they left that continuity of destruction. Like, you know, there's yeah. the hole in, in the shed. There's where they trip over the fence and break part of the fence. They leave the trash from when they're going through the trash, trying to find the body. Yeah. It's like in the middle of the cul-de-sac for, was it like, what they say is like three weeks or no, the four days or something, Yeah, you know, within the timeline. It's like, who, who like ruins somebody's trash and then just leaves just it in leaves the street? In the middle of the road. Of horrible neighbor does that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're terrible neighbor. Well, and the and the part where they like they break into Walter's house and they're just like going through his shit. Yeah. And, and Tom Hanks is trying to be like, hey guys, like maybe we shouldn't just be going through this guy's shit. And they're just like, oh, here's his wig. What's this doing here? 
Yeah, one guy's trying to like pocket shit they're eating is cookies. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Art Art is like shoving shit in his pocket. Ray's like, uh, how about we don't steal things from Walter's house? <laughs> yeah, this right, is all so end up at an auction anyway. Yeah. Right, so if if at the end of the movie we didn't have the grand climax with, you know, where the whole house blows up and everything, we really have to deal with Tom Hanks' breaking and entering of his other neighbor's house. Yeah, oh like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that. It's like, what happens in the epilogue of, of the burps? Because there's going to be like this court case, right? Because there's all these bodies that are in the back of the car. And it's going to be really complicated because the reveal of what this family did was through the violation of like several, like they broke so many laws <laughs> to get to the point where it's like, see, they are killing people. Like, right. They're, how much of that evidence would ultimately be admissible? And wouldn't Tom Hanks and, and you know, uh, freaking Bruce Dern and all the rest of them all go to jail as well? It's like, okay, we found murderers, but you guys were really bad too. It's like right. everybody's going to jail. <laughs> Yeah, no, and see, that's where I, I honestly would have preferred the ending where Tom Hanks and Bruce Dern, where those guys are the villains and and the other guys are, like, just just some dudes, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah. And yeah. even in, in the actual, in the movie, th- at the very end, there's, like, police officers telling them the crimes that they've done. Yeah. And then, like, Tom Hanks is kind of, like, casually walking away, like, <laughs> They're just like walking away from the police officers, like you, you are breaking and entering possible vehicular homicide. Like they're just like listing off all this shit, and then they just like don't they don't want to arrest them or anything. That's yeah. thing, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, man, I do. I love the part where where uh, Tom Hanks grabs the gurney or whatever the you know the, the oh, yeah. and he just like he, he throws it in the ambulance himself and then lays on it, man. Oh, that's one. Of, that's one of the best sight gags I've ever seen. I think. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed the 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 one earlier in the movie where he's like he's trying to control his anger and he can't, and he keeps crushing the beer cans in his hands. And yeah. You're just like, dude, you have like an empty six pack next to you. Yeah. Like, we should talk about the drinking in the middle of the day too. Yeah. <laughs> There's all these weird things that we just like, cause it's a comedy. We're just like rolling with and it's very yeah. unusual. Yeah. Weird stuff. I read, I read that, um, originally there's supposed to be some, a couple more scenes explaining why he's on vacation, but that the real reason is that he had been fired. Ah, uh, oh, so he's, cause that was that, one of the things that threw me is yeah. why is he so embarrassed that he's taking a week off? It, it's like, are, are, is he like in a workaholic culture where it's like, no, I'm taking a week off. Like, oh, yeah. wait, that that's bad? Okay. And that also explains yeah. like after Inspired. his week is up, mm-hmm. like he's like, okay, now let's go take another week at the lake. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there's no job to go to. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that it's would make... like, you know, it's yeah. like, it's just interesting because it's, because it's like suburban people's lives. Like, like some people just sort of crack and go crazy, you know, of like the same thing over and over again. You know, like the suburbs, they were developed right after World War II, I believe, you know, where they've created all these cookie cutter houses that are just like, everything's the same. I read once that like, when they first developed the suburbs, like, as the men would come home, they would get lost. They would like yeah. walk into a different house, because they all look the same. Right. The other difference is that like, um, roles like flip like a bunch, like because like women stayed at home, uh, and men went to work, like like role reversals happened like um men apparently would go to like all the pta all the evening like school function things for the kids 
because they'd already be at work and so they do it on their way home. Right. And like the and that also started where like wives would begin to do like the bills and stuff like that. Right. As well. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, that well, that was. But it leads to crazy people. People, you know, they become crazy. They do the same thing over and over again, <laughs> and you're you're in a cul-de-sac, no less. Like there's not even like right. a street to look down. It's like all <laughs> boxed in. Right. Yeah. No, that was. You know, you're talking about the role reversal stuff, and that 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 it struck a chord with me. That was Tom Hanks's buddy uh, Art. Yeah. yeah. Where where was the rest of his family unit? Like we see all the other ones, but not his. Yeah. And I, Except, I mean, and like, I kind of get it. He's always attached to Tom Hanks. Yeah. So it's okay for us to see that maybe it's not the greatest home life. But was it right at the very end? It's like the ambulance like crashes into his house and. Then his house catches fire, yeah. And, and all he's terrified of is his wife's reaction, <laughs> right? And then she shows up at the very end. His wife, mm-hmm. yeah. Or your yeah, house is like out of town, and your wife is yeah. home. And he's like, "My wife is home." My wife, yeah. Wah, and, wah. <laughs> but but meanwhile, he's like, he's always like trying to eat everyone else's food. Like he can't feed himself, and his wife is gone. So he's like trying, like. In Tom Hanks' house, he's like eating all their food, and even when they go to Walter's house, and even the and even the uh, the 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 Klopek's house, he's like, maybe we should go inside. Maybe they have some like nice bratwurst or something. Like, well, that's I, I think that's exactly right. Is that his wife's out of town and he doesn't know how to feed himself? Like, right. so I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, yeah. That guy, that guy, I love him. He's a fit actor, and he, he maybe they gave him a like a, a campy, silly part, but I thought he did a really good job. He was like he was a really awesome character in um, Die Hard. He was the utility worker. Oh, oh yeah, really? The stuff. Oh, yeah, you're fucking right. Room. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just like a good bit part, but then like things just never took off for him. Yeah. No, I every every scene he was in in the Burbs were my favorite scenes. Like he he yeah. did a lot to help the film. Yeah. His, in his initial like shot, like like they 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 show the character. He's like has a BB gun oh, and he's like poking through some bushes, killing crows. Yeah, that, like his wife was all oh, dude, which which that's that's a that's a really cool shot where he like emerges from the bushes, you know, yeah. with. With that like little tree branch on his shoulder, right, right. They do, yeah. It's a perfect sight gag. It's like because they step back and then it's like, oh, well, we got the guy with the gun in the bush, and then it's the one more back, and he's holding the branch out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the continuity of it with like showing like the owl with no head, like near yeah. the end of the movie, like it's still just like an exploded owl head. Yeah, statue in the yard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, that production must have had so much fun blowing up that house because there were like six shots of it at the end. It's like the house explodes. <laughs> And then the porch falls over. The window easement collapses. It's like they did like six steps of the thing breaking. Yeah. That must have been like a whole day for them. That, and doesn't yeah. like the lightning pole, the lightning rod, like it's like shot up like a rocket and like yeah. impales a car? The cop car, yeah. Yeah, yeah it goes right through the hood of the, yeah, the, the cops. <laughs> well, but no, I think I think you're right. If we had to redo the movie, it would, it would have to be that like when they're breaking into somebody's house. Uh, or like, like they're getting into the Kolachi's house or uh, the Klopex house, mm-hmm. not the food, the Klopex yeah. house, <laughs> uh, is they accidentally kill one of them. So then they have to bury the body or something. Oh, dude. Right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Because like, that's, that's gotta be how you just drive the murder angle and we're the monsters, we're the bad guys even further. Yeah. It's like, 
He winds up killing one of them. There's no evidence of a crime. Yeah. It turns out Corey Feldman across the street is the psychopath in the neighborhood. Like he's raping girls or something with the college parties. And and yeah, and Carrie Fisher divorces him at the end because he went completely off the rocker and lost his job. Yeah. It's like you gotta you gotta crater <laughs> I love all the way that. down. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or or, e- or even that there are no real monsters. Like even Corey Feldman's character maybe is just like yeah. just a boy. But then it's Tom Hanks and and Art. Like those guys turn into monsters. I yeah. Oh my god, I would love that. I right. I didn't I, right as of this moment. I want a Burbs remake where that's the case. And the best thing about a Burbs remake today is we get all the ring camera footage. So yeah. like now we can really spy through people's <laughs> oh, legs. Nice cameras and all of that kind of stuff like, yeah it just yeah, really crazy. dial up like the paranoia side of uh, the narrative yeah fucking shit yeah everybody's got security cameras but the security cameras never give you the right like the full picture Mm-hmm. yeah it's like lp said on that one of the run the jewels album right even a satellite sees at one angle you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> shit awesome well, was there, uh, let's see, we're kind of running up on time here already. Mm-hmm. Was there anything about the movie you guys specifically that you guys wanted to talk? There are so many funny moments. I mean, the dog Queenie, like, shitting on Bruce Dern's yard. Or, uh, oh, man. Or that, the dog, si- that dog went on to be the dog in Silence of the Lambs. Did you guys read that? No. <laughs> that's, that's the same dog? That's the same dog. Oh, <laughs> it had already been in the movie or afterward. It was, anyway, it's the same I, dog. That's hilarious. That's no. amazing. Or, or yeah. like when they go to knock on the door and the address is 669, but they yeah. knock on it and the nine turns and it says 666 before the bees come out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, that, yeah. yeah. The bees thing was like, where it's like, okay, we're, we're kind of falling into the fantasy land because there's no way that. Yeah, that, that seemed like a, that's not that's not these things that's not what yeah. happens yeah no no yeah they got into like ridiculous territory pretty quickly but yeah <laughs> but i like when they're when like ray and art are standing out on the sidewalk and they're like you go ring the doorbell you go ring the doorbell like bruce dern's character is like they're daring each other to go ring the doorbell, fucking pussies. You know? like, yeah, I thought that was great because it was just all of a sudden it's like they're teenagers again. It's like, yes, that's how we need to see them, too, for the yeah. rest of their yeah. uh, and then, adult yeah. men acting like teenagers. Yeah. And then Art, Art and then Dern go to go to Hanks's house after he's had his breakdown, kind of. And like they're like, come on, to Carrie Fisher's character. Like, yeah. Please, can he come down? Can he come out to play? And yeah. then he still sneaks into the yard and talks to him anyway. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, dude, there's so many weird things like like when he goes down to the basement with Art earlier in the movie and Art's trying to tell him, like, these people are performing ritual sacrifices. <laughs> and then and then Tom Hanks is like like, I don't want to hear anyone. Yeah. You're chanting. You're chanting. You're chanting. And then he has that dream later where they're like actually chanting that. Yeah. Yeah. That felt very Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's like, yeah. let's just put a creepy dream in the middle of it. Yeah. Or a Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Was, yeah. The movie was supposed to begin with that like panning down onto the onto the suburb, but like with Mr. Rogers' Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood playing. Oh, and really? it was supposed to play that song panning out at the end. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Which I think would have been cool, but yeah. I, yeah. I guess well, maybe well, they thought they, 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 it was better after his dream sequence to play it. 
Yeah, that I, you know, I think I would have liked it at the very beginning. I, I think I would have liked that at the beginning. Yeah. It would have made it creepier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and, but, and I, well, I like how at one point Ray's watching TV and he flicks through. There's some like uh, ritual sacrifice, which I'm not sure what that movie is. It looks like an older movie. Uh, but then he flicks to The Exorcist, and then he flicks to like uh, Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, and that all like plays into his dream. As because like the beginning yeah. of it, there's like a chainsaw that comes through his wall, you know. <laughs> and at yeah. the end of that, when he's about to get stabbed, the 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 the, the, uh, the, the, the cult members are chanting what Ray was chanting in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah which is so ridiculous. Yeah, Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Like any <laughs> any like satanic cult members would ever actually be chanting that. I love. Yeah, and he gets dragged across a grill. Which earlier in the movie, he tells his wife, like, yeah. I can go fix the grill. I can go fix it. It was like a, a very, like, throwaway line. Yeah. They added into, like, the dream sequence. So that was good. Yeah. Well, just, like, it, just from his anxiety. <laughs> well, and I thought during that scene, he still had all of his clothes on. Which, I was like, if I were cooking a person on a grill, like, I would at least strip them naked. You know, even if I didn't, like, season them up or whatever. Like, you don't want those clothes on there. You know, you don't want that skin on there. You got to get to the real meat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of work you got to do. You can't just throw a human on a grill, clothes and all. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's even like, I, I, I mean, I, I think the implication was that the, um, the Clopex were eating people, but yeah. the, the, the furnace setup was really unusual. It was just like, it looked more like an incinerator or something. Yeah. But why keep like a trunk full of bones? I, there were there was some of I mean it worked in the moment you just didn't think about it like there was one point where we just randomly transitioned from middle of afternoon when they're like eating brownies and stuff to arts in the backyard trying to break in it's the middle of the night it's right. like oh we're at nighttime now we just we did like an Evil Dead jump and we're just like gonna forget <laughs> about time of day the right. sun is now down randomly um, <laughs> but yeah I, I didn't understand how they went from having like all this burial stuff in the backyard. And um, this furnace system with the bones, and then it's just in the trunk. But we saw earlier in the movie the trunk is empty because the big gooey trash bag comes out. So that's true. When when did they put the bones all of in those the car? bones? That's a good question. That's a good fucking point. Yeah, because the because like it makes sense. We need to see it at the end because that vindicates him. But when? Yeah. Yeah, and why why did they put all of those skulls and skeletons? Because that was the main thing. The doctor seemed really into his skulls. That was the, right. like he he like really had a thing. He had a hard on for his skull collection. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Campy movie, funny shit, but so yeah. Mm, yeah. suspicious. Yeah, and so, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a it's a really good example of just like eighties campy like silly comedy. Like a, you know, a Tom Hanks type comedy. Yeah, if it moves fast enough and there's a couple, like, sight gags, you just don't think about it so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, and, I, like, there's some of the lines, like, I, I like when, when Bruce Dern is on his roof, like, watching Art and Ray break in next door. And when Corey Feldman is, like, inviting all his friends over to watch this <laughs> ridiculous show going on in the suburbs, which was another part I appreciated. Um but Feldman like, was great. <laughs> but Corey Feldman's character, Ricky, was like, 
had his best friend over and he was like talking shit or something. But Bruce Dern is like, uh, he's like, hey, get this lame out of your yard, which I just, I love the Lame-o. idea of yelling at someone to get their friend out of their own yard. Like, <laughs> and he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, come on, Lamo. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> Ricky by far was the most enlightened character out of them all. He's like with his girlfriend. It's like, no, we're gonna watch the show. Can we go out? It's like it's right here. Right. Sit yeah. down, and then yeah. without fail, every time he would be like, "We're gonna watch something." <laughs> like the antics dialed up. It something was, would he happen. Totally understood. Yeah. 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 He even got he even got to break the fourth wall at the end. <laughs> oh, that's right. You know, God, I love this street. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the movie. Yeah, the movie ends on Corey Feldman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next week we're talking about one of my favorite movies, 2007's Stephen King adaptation, The Mist. So be sure to check that movie out. I fucking love that movie. Also, check out our friend Nicole the Bruce on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. She's doing her 31 days of October or Halloween, whichever it is, where she she's a makeup artist. She does her face to transform into a different character every day in October. It's pretty incredible. You should you should just go check it out. And also coming up in October, check out Betty Rage Productions show Indiana Night Live. It's a sketch comedy show. I wrote a number of the sketches they're performing in the show. And it should be a good time all around. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Dangerous Pollution Presents Head Cannon, on Instagram at Head Cannon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. Well, is there anything else you guys want to mention before we jump into head cannons here and and uh say bye-bye nah you guys are great thanks for having me on this is awesome yeah no it's been a blast man yeah Yeah, likewise and if you uh if you ever find yourself in chicago especially especially on saturdays right now with with the way my schedule is uh let me know and we'll go get a drink or see an improv show or something so yes we might be in chicago um Maybe sometime before Christmas, we we told the kids we were going to get up to the city. But I think I think we've just barely started feeling moved in. But yeah, I, I'll take you up on that at some point. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Please do. Absolutely. Nice. Well, do you guys do you have a a head cannon you want to present, or I can I can give mine first. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, go ahead, Corey. I'm still I'm ending mine. Anyway. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. So my mine is pretty simple. Mine is just that. I just want to see a little more from, I want more from, for Carrie Fisher's character, right? So Carol, she talks her husband Ray into going out to the lake and they finally get up there and, uh, you know, they settle into this cabin and it's this nice secluded whatever. And, and she has their son, maybe in the morning before their son even wakes up, she's like, let's take a nice little canoe ride out to the middle of the lake. And they get out to the middle of the lake and she just whacks her husband, Ray, right in the middle of the head with a paddle, right? Just cracks his shit open, pushes him into the lake, uh, you know, plausible deniability, accidental death. But now she's like, 
she's murdered her husband, Ray, who is kind of a, a drain on her life, right? She's like, she's trying yeah. to live this life. And, and really, he's like kind of a big pain in her ass. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that's why Carol really wanted to get Ray to the, to the lake. Why she was pushing so hard was so she could stage an accidental death, collect the insurance, and then go on to live her best life without this, like, you know, pain in the ass, sad sack, kind of dragging yeah. her down, <laughs> peeking in neighbors' windows, being a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. That's my head yeah. cannon. <laughs> that that's good. I I want to I want to steal some of yours and then take that to be like we should really see all the wives turn into murderers. Like they should just be so sick of their husband shit. Yes. Like every single one of them gets like a dedicated kill scene. Oh my God. I would fucking, Charles. Just Corey Feldman drinking beer, watching the whole thing. Watching the, I would watch that remake. I would absolutely watch that remake. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right. What about you? you you Yeah. Yeah. I thought it had a reimagining of the movie, but instead of like Tom Hanks is the character he is, he's Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> and so he uses all these like Forrest Gump powers. His to, like, Forrest Gump powers. He's like he's like hitting ping pong balls through little panes of glass to like open doors. <laughs> he's like crushing cans of Dr Pepper over his head. Like he's like I don't know how to beat the Clopex. At the end. He's just wait. I like. I like. Can he crush the cans in his leg braces? Like as a kid? <laughs> that's right. He's like old guys having their garages, like the like little motor yeah. that like, crushes the can. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He's got it attached to his like like a thigh master, <laughs> a robotic thigh master. <laughs> And then I thought there'd just be like a funny imagery of like, what if Art was in the building with him or in the house with him when it blew up and like, he could be like carrying him like Bubba, like running through the fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, I just have like one more line, which is like, Dern is Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That could absolutely work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Bruce Dern could have no legs. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that seems like, right. but like, yeah, like an, an American Dad episode where they redo all the characters to fit into the film. So it's American Dad doing Forrest Gump doing the burbs. Because then you got Francine's just Francine. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. That would work, yeah. And Carrie Fisher's still married to Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You've got American Dad in the morning going out. Man, I love that that one of the first scenes is where she like hands him the folded up American flag and then he takes it and like runs it up his his uh Well it doesn't even run it up, it's motorized. It's motorized yeah, he do just pushes a raise the flag. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. <laughs> I thought that was so subtle. It's like he's he, the the flag is so important, but he won't put in the personal effort. To... The motor runs it up. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. That's perfect. Nice. And then, like, right behind that flag is, like, a let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon, yeah. yeah. And then the, the don't tread on me flag, right? And then the thin, going, the yeah, thin like blue line flag, right Confederate yeah, flag. Yeah, there, yeah, there's, there's a lifted truck in the in the garage with back the blue. Yeah. You know, bumper yeah. sticker on it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Punisher, the Punisher sticker. 
a little swastika down in the corner. You know, <laughs> just tastefully, tastefully placed down in the corner. Those dudes, they put that stuff in the garage. And then, they, like, there's a cop about a block and a half away from me. And for the longest time until just recently, I never really thought of it, but he keeps his garage door open when he's home. And on the wall, the fall, the far wall of the garage is a huge flag, and it's a, like an AK-47. <laughs> oh, Jesus you know? Christ. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Dude, those guys, they love that, that fucking gun. And yeah. I don't know, like there was a huge goddamn shooting at our mall yesterday. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. No, dude, I don't tra- know if you guys saw this, but um, in the local news, like they interviewed like one of like, the main cops that were on the scene. And the reporters are asking him some questions, and then one of the reporters goes, "Um, yeah." Oh, the, the cop goes, "Yeah, he had a long rifle with multiple magazines." And one of the reporters goes, "Like, so what kind of a rifle was it?" And as soon as that person said that, and he paused, and I said out loud in my living room, I was like, "Say it. Right. Say that it, it was an AK forty-seven. Do it. Say it." Or, or an, or either that or an AR fifteen. Yeah. That's Sorry, I said AK. Yeah. I meant AR. I said AR. AR fifteen. AR fifteen. Yeah. And, and the, the cop did not say that. He goes, "I don't know. We were still." Re-. I'm like, "Motherfucker, you, you know, know. What kind you of gun fucking know. You have five hanging on your wall right now." Right. Yeah. Well, and dude, and it's such a weird thing. Well, and the and I read a story today that was talking about how, um, in Indianapolis specifically, they were they couldn't get resources to a mass shooting in Beach Grove. Because of the mass shooting at the Greenwood Park Mall, like there were two Whoa, mass shootings geez. right on top of each other, so they didn't have enough resources for both. And this is fucking like for me personally, like the last place I lived in Indiana was in Greenwood, just a couple miles from the Greenwood Park Mall. And then so and there was that mass shooting. And just two weeks ago, there was that shooting on Fourth of July that was again just a couple miles from me where some motherfucker was like picking off, picking off people like at a 4th of July parade from on top of a building somewhere. Like we, it's fucking ridiculous. They're just like mass shootings on top of mass shootings. Like it's wild, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There was a shooting at the uh, small university across the street from my kids' elementary school. So we had to pick up the kids in a crisis zone Uh, because they canceled school for the day and it was all the austin um uh independent school district police and they had the giant escalate fucking ford whatever monster truck suvs that that are just intimidation factor yeah and it's a bunch of cops for the police department like encircling this like little private university that's across the street from the neighborhood school and with with assault rifles and body armor and there's like a whole zone for like the um the cameras to watch the spectacle and everything and they thank goodness they were able to talk the shooter down and it was it was more that he fired his weapon than there was a bunch of killings but it was still like if it's fucking everywhere you can't it, it you can't not avoid it and so you know you're talking about this guy he can't just say it's an assault rifle it's like this is the common language we all fucking know what it is it's like just because you're calling it a long long rifle or you're going well an ar-15 is just an assemblage of components it's not a real gun 
It's like, fuck you, man. We all know what we're talking about here. Right. Like, yeah, but to, my watch is a computer. I'm not saying, ah, fuck you. You got it wrong. It's a computer. You can't talk about my watch. No, we don't <laughs> yeah. know what the shit is. <laughs> right. You know? Well, and he then, challenges <laughs> his own beliefs that he wants to keep his AR, you know, and oh, his, yeah. all of his buddies, they have them too, <laughs> you know, like so he, he'll, he'll look bad at the cookout if he, if he calls out <laughs> or speaks badly on the, on their precious, like, you know, replacement for their small dick you know <laughs> it's such bullshit yeah it, like i was thinking like what would happen like because surely like after this there's gonna be like hundreds of people in this community right now that will go out and they're gonna buy a, a gun yeah they're gonna buy a pistol because they want to be that good guy with a gun thing and that's what happened right like like a, the, the cop said on the news he goes the, thankfully a good samaritan like took him out and Corey, i, I read what you put on facebook earlier and was like oh good like you know, he only killed like three people. You know? <laughs> right, instead That's of twenty like, people. Yeah, like, he shouldn't have killed. He should have killed zero people. And now, like, there's forcing other folks to commit murder is like fucked up too. Yeah, like, right. I, I feel pretty bad about the guy. Like, he probably had a murder scenario in his brain for like years, and now he's like, "Good, I can finally kill somebody." Right. You know? But but now but now he's gonna need therapy for years. Like if yeah. that like if yeah. killing another human being doesn't fuck you up. You're a sociopath right. to begin with, right? Exactly. Like, like even maybe that guy is a hero. Maybe he did save lives. Like maybe, but like, but then if in that like best case scenario, he's also a victim because now he's fucked up that he had to kill somebody. <laughs> like, like that's the best case scenario is that this guy is severely fucked up, you know? And he like, happened to be a good shot. Like, he was firing at some dude in a fucking food court. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What if he had missed and like shots, or maybe even comes out later that he he, he was the one that that injured the twelve year old girl that got hit. That's yeah. Maybe yeah. We don't right. know. Maybe All the information is yeah. even out. Yeah. I mean, most people are bad shots at the shooting range, even under the best of circumstances. In a food court, come the fuck on. Like, yeah. <laughs> we can't expect everybody to be Robin Hood. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then meanwhile, meanwhile, you've got like the the you know the media area, like all the, the the news stations and everything watching, and you've got Corey Feldman as Ricky. Like, come on, guys, watch watch this yeah. show. This is gonna be fucking awesome. Like, yeah, I mean that's the thing with the movie, the, watching the Burbs. That like like I think you're hitting on it. Is like the only thing the remake really needs to do is reflect reality instead of being funny. Yeah, and then it's like scary as shit. Because yeah. everybody's paranoid and scared of each other, and we're all jumping to conclusions, and we're all armed and doped up on caffeine and shitty sleep and all <laughs> sorts of god-awful foods and diarrhea and constipation. Of course we're going to fucking kill our neighbors. We got a credit card payment, damn it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody's in a healthy place these days. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would, I, I would like, I, like 90 I, minutes in a film. I would it's love scary. to see like a dark, cynical remake of this movie. I, I really would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's called The Purge, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is. Yeah. I love those movies. I saw like half of the first one when I had too many beers and I fell asleep. But I, I, I always, it's like, it's like the Saw movies. Like I hear good things, but I never bother to bring myself back to watch it. But I should. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed, I watched the first two Purge movies maybe, and they were, I, I enjoyed them. I, I don't know that I've seen a Saw movie all the way through. I not to, I like the first one, but the, the the rest of them I couldn't. Yeah. Disinterested. That didn't care. 
Yeah. I, that's yeah. I, don't, I can't speak to their quality or anything. I just I haven't watched them. So no. yeah, the first one was fun because it was it was there was enough of a mystery about like like there was you know and I'm not a saw person. I don't know the lore. It was just I remember the first one was fun because there was so much that was unexplained. It was like this is cool. I can get into is who's the bad guy? Oh shit, they're in the room. You know that kind of right. stuff was really fun yeah. and the and the the traps were kind of shocking and brutal. But by the time they were promoting all the rest of them in the franchise it's like i it, it lost its shine to me it lost its magic and it's like oh yeah. it's a sequel like okay i i know what sequel sequels do and then i if i'm ever on the fence about a movie these days i just wait to see if like friends talk about it later and if yeah. nobody brings it up later i'm just like oh it's it's okay that i missed it <laughs> yeah it must and not nobody have been ever that brought good. up a saw <laughs> sequel going dude you gotta fucking watch this one <laughs> yeah Awesome. I will say that, that one person had to like find a key in a pit of hypodermic needles. Oh, like no. syringes. <laughs> what? Just like a pit, like a pit of like like three or three and a half, four feet of just syringes in a saw movie. Yeah, yeah, and there's a key in there. Oh, so that sounds like, terrible. Yeah, there's oh. these like syringes sticking out of the person. It's oh, awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right well i want to i want to there's one thing i'm going to mention then i want to get off here uh yeah. just just the part where they go over to the uh the house of the the weirdos or whatever and they like the wives they're like look carrie fisher and bruce dern's wife they're like look we're just gonna go and and introduce ourselves and be a nice normal couple and they go in there and the and then at one point i think it's hans is serving like hors d'oeuvres but it's just like sardines out of a can pretzels, and pretzels. Yes. And so Tom Hanks just like puts a sardine on a pretzel and it makes <laughs> it makes the worst noises. It's yeah. so like moist and gushy. It's terrible. And he's, worried, and he's just chewing the scenery with it. So it's like his fingers are getting like all the sardines on his hand and it's like flaking <laughs> apart. And then what was it? It's like, like a good seven seconds later, he gets into that random sneezing fit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Dern has a funny thing too. We're like, because all this, there's all this tension in the room. Yeah. And he's like scratching at the wallpaper. That's right. He, just, he like nervously just like pulls off a huge strip of wallpaper and is like trying to put it back on. Yeah. He he's did, such yeah. an asshole in their house. He tears off their wallpaper. He's turning their pictures around. He's constantly accusing shit. It's crazy. Yeah. And see, I would, I would love for a remake to lean more into that. Where the protagonists yeah. are actually the villains, and the people who you you think are the 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 villains end up being like totally innocent. They're just like kind of weirdos. I would love that, yeah. you know. <laughs> right, and then and then after the whole thing is done, the whole thing is dispelled. We follow Queenie as she's going around into a yard, and she still <laughs> digs up another human remain. Yeah. So it's like, even though we're like, oh, everybody's fine, there's still, still. violence underneath the neighborhood. Yeah. She digs up a, she digs up a skull and then shits on it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect ending. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Well, Charles, I actually I have to get going, but uh, I please do let me know if you are ever in the Chicago area. I'd love to just get a drink or something. And yeah, yeah. do you have anything you want to plug like social media or anything you want to point people point our 12 listeners toward? Uh, um, <laughs> gosh, 
gosh, you put me on the spot. I have no idea. I'm not doing shit with my social media because of the move <laughs> and everything. I don't know. Go go learn more about me on my website, crpierce.net. Um, nice. There. That, that's that, that's the best I've got to plug. <laughs> my portfolio website. Um, I do. I do have t- I do have t-shirts on the website. Some <laughs> nice. kind of like little um, printly site or something like that. But I, I don't. I, I bought I bought one of my own shirts to make sure it works and it's like it works but like I don't <laughs> nobody goes to my website it's a portfolio website <laughs> I think Brent's, Brent's gonna buy a shirt now <laughs> <laughs> I, I see it reflected yeah, like, in his glasses you do have oh, merch <laughs> yeah I do I do I just don't do anything with it but I do wait why is your max the shirt fifty five dollars <laughs> because fuck you that's why <laughs> no I mean I I, I Again, like I said, nobody's buying it, but um, I, you know, I figure if anybody's going to buy a single shirt, like I should it, because there's so many fees with these things too. It's, yeah, it's outrageous. I bet. Um, but it looks uh, cool. I probably do need to lower those prices. Fifty five is high. That was <laughs> I, inflation, baby. You know what? What it's can I say? Shirt, <laughs> yeah. But awesome. Yeah. Well, Fifty five dollars. Right. I'll bring it down a little bit. I'll bring it down to fifty four. <laughs> just for no, man. <laughs> Yeah, and if you add in promo code uh, HEADCANNON, listeners, you'll get uh, nothing, 0% off. So, uh, we... <laughs> uh, thank you again, Charles, for being a guest. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, and everybody listening at home, thank you for listening. This has been HEADCANNON. Yeah! Oh,